It's easy to slip into the habit of thinking about America's history as one long archetypical myth. After all, our brains are wired to process information in narrative form, not as a series of disconnected facts. And so the history we remember is often the history that has been presented to us in a coherent, linear story. There's a growing divide in how we should view our history. For instance, the left will debate things like whether American figures like Thomas Jefferson and George Washington should be venerated given their slave ownership. Critics on the right will argue that this is cancel culture run amok and evidence of an erased history that's hostile towards America. But true history is the enemy of reverence. We do no favors by embalming our nation in extreme infallibility or the epitome of wickedness. We're the sum of the people who braved the rugged frontier to tame the vast, uninhibited wilderness and carve out a blessed land of freedom and opportunity. And still, there was an unimaginable human cost associated with our westward expansion. America is also the place that brought economic prosperity to millions and propelled the glorious capitalist free markets to the rest of the world. But we have to admit that that expansion was partly at the subjugation of the third world. This is part of our national character, an amalgamation that lies within our DNA. History is a book of chastening wisdom to which we should look to deepen our understanding of ourselves. We ought to be able to develop a reasonable consensus about the creation and history of America. Our country and those who forged it throughout our short time merit our celebration and deep appreciation, albeit with eyes wide open. We should steer clear of labeling heroes and anti-heroes from our past because, as my next guest, Danny Smith, will tell you, labels are shackles. Danny is an American history, civics, and economics teacher and a podcaster to boot. Danny and I have a really great and fun conversation that touched on many subjects related to our nation's history, both current and even going back to Columbus uh, we veer off topic a little bit. We get into a, a little bit of ghost hunting by the end, which was fun. But that's uh, that's what's beautiful about two people having a conversation. You never know where it's going to lead. But find out for yourself, and I hope you enjoy the Danny Smith with Jay Burke Show. Watch out. You might get what you're after. Hello and welcome to the With Jay Burke Show. My name is Jason Burke, and though I'm technically the host of this podcast, it's the guests who truly take top billing. This is a place for curious minds who enjoy civil and sometimes meandering conversation. If you appreciate a few laughs and want to come away with new knowledge about subjects that aren't always easy to break down, then you're the person I want listening to this podcast. Today I'm joined by Danny Smith. He's an American history teacher, along with civics and econ, creator and host of The Story Of podcast. It's a podcast where Danny and his co-hosts and friends take you on a journey through some crazy topics by researching the hell out of them and sharing them with the listener. Danny, thanks for being here today. Uh, thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it. I had a little typo in there, and I had a, <laughs> I think I, sal I salvaged it, but it threw me off for a second. I was in the zone. I didn't hear it, man. No, that's you good. Know, I used to do stage acting for years, and so we always used to say, man, if you say it, you meant it. 
So yeah, that's it, right? The show goes on. It's a little scarier on the stage though because you don't have that uh, stop button. <laughs> yeah, a little bit, a little bit. You know, I mean, <laughs> there is uh, there are those those times where you kind of blank out and uh, you're. Your 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 acting mate will kind of look at you with this blank stare. If you just see like they're like, oh shit, <laughs> <laughs> it happens, man. What are you gonna do? How long yeah. did you do that for? I'd say about ten years or so. Okay, it was a, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Lot yeah. Do you ever do any other acting work or? No, I, you know, I, community theater was a lot of fun. I started off um, with I used to work at a day program for individuals with uh, developmental disabilities, and so they would go to what's called a day hab, uh, day habilitation. And the whole day had that we worked at was uh, was based around putting on full length Broadway shows. Mm-hmm. So most happy fella, which is like an Italian operetta, Joseph uh, and the amazing uh, Technicolor Dreamcoat, um, whole bunch of stuff. And uh, and it was cool. You know, we had all they, they our entire program was built up where they would build our they were called clients or consumers um, would build the props. Would I was the line coach, so my job was to teach them how to, you know, memorize their lines, project their voices, and all that stuff. And then we'd roll out and do, you know, two and a half hour show. And these are, you know, these are the people that society had written off as to, you know, just, you know, not be a part of society really. Yeah. And, and here, putting on Italian operettas, and then so I got the acting bug, and uh, just kept it going after that. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, you know? that's cool. That's yeah. cool. And then you became. When did you become a teacher? Were you teaching during that or? No, well, I mean, I guess technically, I guess you could call it teaching because I was the line coach. Uh, I was the presentation specialist, you could call it. Yeah. But I started teaching in, in um, February of 2015. That okay. was my first year. So a little, little bit of a long road to get there. Almost didn't make it a few times, and uh, <laughs> but you know, made it in the end and have been teaching ever since. Um, and I love it. It's my life's calling. It's, it's you know, it's what I... It's what I've always wanted to do. You know, like everybody's got that dream as a kid where it's an astronaut or whatever it is. As far as I can remember, man, it was to be a teacher. And, oh, that's cool. Uh, and my, my favorite book as a kid was uh, this giant book of presidents. And I used to draw all the presidents all the time. I don't know why. Um, <laughs> but, you know, that was my that was my spiel. That was my thing. So yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I had about 15 things I wanted to be. But, uh, yeah, one of them would have been like a, like an American history teacher of some kind. Love history in general. It's just mm. easier with American history because it's only, you know, 260, 70 yeah. years old. You know, it's, 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 we've been immersed in it whether we realize it or not. You know, right. it's, it's all we've known, right? I mean, we don't grow up listening or, or knowing Australian history or, or Irish history or anything like that, you know? And yeah. So, I mean, whether we realize it or not, we've been immersed in it. Now, whether people are listening, that's the other part of it. <laughs> you know, like if the yeah. Yeah, you know, that's the frustrating part a lot of the times, right? Yeah, well, I, you know, I had wanted to be a journalist too for a while, and um, that was partly because I thought it would be cool to live in, you know, you're you're documenting history at that point. Yes, man, absolutely, um, you're there. Lines, maybe sure. not, you know, not as much today. It's a little different, but um, <laughs> but that was always the idea behind it. So I always find, um, and I can never get enough of it. I just, you know, like right now, I'm reading um, a book on the Reconstruction era. And it's uh, it's it's really about the thirteenth, fourteenth, and fifteenth amendments and how they came into play. And it's just it's so interesting. I'm only on the thirteenth because I just started it. And and that one is crazy because people don't realize the loophole right that's baked into the thirteenth amendment. Right. Which, you know it outlaws uh, you know involuntary servitude right unless duly convicted of a crime. Right. And there's a straight line now between 
the privatization of all the jails and yeah. and basically free labor is what it is but well i mean there was so much happening at that time period i mean there were people uh what was what's the name of it i can't think of the word off the top of my head um essentially they would um they would go and they would find african-american parents who were struggling financially which in the south was a large portion by they i mean uh former slave-owning white people mm-hmm. would then say, hey, look, you can't take care of your kids. Uh, we're going to now make them essentially a ward of the state and bring them back to the plantation and hold them until they're 18. And that was after right, the 13th Amendment was passed. So the South was really, really good. Uh, former Confederacy was very good at skirting the 13th Amendment. Uh, they did a hell of a job. They were, they were, it was, it was, you know, surgic, you know, surgical pinpoint yeah. procedure on what they were doing and uh and you're right there's a straight line between that uh jim crow right uh, i mean it's all there i mean we went from then we went from from slave codes to black codes right yeah uh the jim crow right up to the war on drugs um you know up to uh you know the southern strategy with lee atwater like and you know with with nixon and, and and that stuff i mean it's just you know it's it's not hard to connect the dots if you yeah you know, it's definitely something that's never totally went away and i know it's something people don't like talking about and i kind of understand it to an extent but you have to look at the truth of of the history there once you look at it i mean it's it's pretty appalling you know how black people were treated in in this country for you know, up until this still, century it's still yeah i mean it's still there i mean we you know it's well you know, most we, of it's baked into the system at this point now is what it is it's not as grossly out there as it used to be I mean, there's still definitely elements of that, but of course, you know, my, I was just talking to a buddy of mine uh, about two weeks ago. He's um, myself personally, I'm registered independent. I don't, uh, uh, you know, I don't, I, I try, you know, I, I, I don't go any party tickets down the line. Although I do tend to vote on the left hand side more often, but I, you know, I had a buddy of mine. I've known him in my entire life. He's my best friend, friend since we were six years old. I'm sorry, six months old, and he is wealthy, you know, upper class, Republican, all that type of stuff, you know, which is fine. And um, so we were talking the other day, and, and it's hard for him to see what we were just talking about. Yeah. How things are baked into the system. You know when people are getting their talking points from certain TV programs mm. or certain TV uh, journalists, I say, in a very loose manner. Yeah. You know, and it's like, well, you know, it's like, well, oh, more white people are killed, you know, by, by, by cops than black people. Well, and, and I, this is where my wife was like, dude, this is where you got condescending. And I tried not to. Uh, it's, it's hard. hard but I, I know. You look at, I mean, I, and I looked at him. I was like, well, that should be the statistic because white folks make up like 72% of the yeah. country. <laughs> you know, if that wasn't the case, that would be crazy. Yeah. You know? And and yet, you know, you know, uh, African-Americans make up 13 to 15% of the population, right? And and are, are making up anywhere between 24 and 26% of the deaths uh, attributed to police. That's nuts. Yeah. Right. It's twice as likely. That's crazy. And yeah. was he wrong? No. But you can't just take that fact, you know, at face value right there and then just stop, which yeah. is what a lot of people and they don't to to go any further with it, you know, which is there's much more to the story. Right. And that's where it comes down to what you're saying. People have talking points that they heard somewhere and they don't really you know, check out. They don't go underneath the surface of that. So I'm I'm. I'm pretty much like you. I'm I'm an independent. I actually grew up in a 
pretty conservative house, not like a Christian conservative, but my parents were, you know, they joined that Reagan revolution and all that kind of stuff. You know, I, I have a lot of background. I understand the thinking a little bit, at least back then, but I've definitely evolved. And I've always, I've always said I was an independent anyway, because I think once you throw your lot into a, a particular party, you're kind of putting blinders on. And I, and I also think that at some point, one party isn't going to have all the answers for you. Like things develop, things change, and you should change with it at that point if it, if it makes sense. So I always, I never like the idea of being shackled to a to a party per se. Yeah, you know, it's funny that you say that. It's, uh, I got a saying I always tell my students. I said, look, my labels are shackles, right? Yeah. Uh, and once you label yourself to something or someone or a party, you're shackling yourself right. to that, right? And that thus is allowing you to move forward and to grow as a person, right? Right. And, and, yeah, I mean, I think you nailed it 100. percent Yeah, um, but you know, we've got to be, you know, they, look. There's a, a my grandfather, World War II vet. Um, he was what was considered an Eisenhower Republican. Um, you know what I mean? I mean, most of, I mean, Big a difference. large, portion, yeah, right, and a large portion of white America in the 80s were Republicans, um, right? So those are two types of Republicans. Republicans today are much, much. Let me put it this way: the Republican Party is much different. Um, today has you know so so referring to the Republican Party today is, is in my opinion not referring to the Republican Party of the eighties right nor the Republican Party of the late fifties yeah you know it's they're different sets the Republican Party today uh, is a whole nother round yeah and, um, you know, and we could see that starting and I don't know what ten twelve years ago with the the rise of the Tea Party uh, yeah and, uh, the beginning you know little did we know then what would it kind of morph into and evolve into today. You know? So um, the last guest I had on has been Dr. Uh, Andrew Schmuckler, and he comes on, he's going to come on quite a bit, I guess, regularly, but he he's a guy who studied civilizations, you know, so he, he would study how they operated and how they flourished or how they destroyed themselves, and um, very smart guy. It's, it's like his life's work is basically trying to understand everything from put all the pieces together so he was railing that he talks about eisenhower that republican he's he was he's always a democrat but he said you know i could respect that eisenhower party and whatever but he he saw it yeah, definitely the tea party was a big one but he saw it happening in the middle of bill clinton's presidency with the morning in america and the i want to call him back pat buchanan but it's not him Gingrich? Gingrich. New Gingrich. Yeah, so he was... Um, <laughs> that happens to my brain. There's just too much in there. <laughs> no, that's me too, man. I'm still, I'm still recovering from long COVID, man. I had it... Oh, in yeah. And um, sorry, not the side real conversation. No, that's okay. I potentially lost use of my vocabulary for about three or four months. Wow. He was incredibly frustrating if anybody out there can identify with that i'm just starting to get use of my vocabulary within the last like three weeks so i understand it's yeah fun. yeah i i've somehow sidestepped that my daughter did get it and she's 12 but she had the issue where uh the taste was off everything mm -hmm. tasted like metal to her yeah uh, luckily i did not i didn't have that my wife and i uh had very uh very mild symptoms my son when he got it was Oh, uh, about 15 months at that point. Oh, so, God. Little guy, but he was completely asymptomatic. Um, thank God. Yeah. You know, that's been terrifying, this whole thing, is just having such a little one. 
Yeah. I noticed, though, they said the, the numbers are starting to rise again in the hospitals now. Well, nobody's talking about it, but... Yeah. Everybody's tired of it, you know? But, uh, yeah, everybody's over it. <laughs> so, yeah, so Newt Gingrich, go for it, man. Oh, Newt Gingrich, yeah. So he said he saw that starting then, and, and he was writing about it from that point, but it really hastened under Obama's presidency with the, the Tea yeah. Party, and that's when it... Newt Gingrich was... I mean, if you want to... There's been very, very few impeachments in American history, right? You know, say what you want to say about the Trump impeachments, but, you know, you can definitely see that going after Clinton for the particular reason that they did lying, right, lying under oath about his sexual behavior. I mean, really, um, yeah. you know, it's pretty political, you know, and, and yeah. but yeah, you definitely start to see the tide turn during that time. And not to mention, though, as Newt Gingrich was... was was running with that whole thing. He was cheating on his wife. I know. Prostitutes. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey. Yeah. You're the compass, right? True. Uh, yeah. You know, and I agree 100. percent That's. I guess he didn't do it under oath. Is is the difference? Yeah, which do it under oath? Yeah. So, which, I find that funny because you know you have three justices who overturned Roe and whatever, whether you support it or not. But here's my issue is they said it was settled law under oath and lied but that's what bill clinton it wasn't him having sex with someone it wasn't about that what what it was was the lie under oath so by that logic couldn't you just impeach the supreme court justices i mean i know that's not going to happen but i'm just saying their rationale Look, if if you want to apply logic sure (laughs) (laughs) unfortunately i just i don't think that's um, I mean, man, logic has, I mean, Nyagonis like had gone out the window. Logic has just, it seems, has just been, I don't know, just shredded and set on fire. Right? Yeah. Uh, and, or, or given like a Viking funeral, sent off on a little boat, and then they hit it with a flaming arrow. It's yeah. Just done. You know, it's, I, I, yeah, you're absolutely right. You know, yeah. And the turning of Roe, you know, my opinion is particularly scary, you know, because the precedent that was used to overturn Clarence Thomas's view has, is said to have been, uh, I think he said something along the lines, it's like it's it's um, political fiction um, and that it's dangerous. And it's, it's what, substantiative due process. Yeah. And what that really means is just protecting rights. Right. You know, it's the court's ability to protect rights. And for a Supreme Court justice to say that protecting rights is, is dangerous and fiction is terrifying. Yeah. I mean, terrifies me right and he's you know he already said what's he looking at griswold and lawrence and, and obergefell after that yeah yeah you know? well they're trying to pass uh, the house has passed mm. a few uh laws codifying it yeah well that and they, they're just talking about um the respect for marriage act which would essentially codify gay marriage um, right but you know i was laughing about that and i did some quick math in my head so 157 republican senators voted against it 47 voted for it i think four didn't vote at all something like that by that math that means 73 percent of republican uh, members of the house opposed it and the latest i want to say is it the pew poll or whatever it was they, they did a big study 71 percent of americans support gay marriage so you're not really doing this for your constituency because most people support it well, I mean, look at the, the percentages were very similar to Roe, right? Percentages were in the 70s of people that uh, were, were were perfectly fine with it. 
and, and allowing the choice of the woman and to have a, a, a you know allow the woman right to uh, uh, make their own choice yeah you know and as, as somebody who teaches history it's particularly scary when you hear politicians using the state rights uh, argument I know. You know it's like I'm reading that book it's like that's what that war kind of settled right it was really I mean, obviously, it was about slavery, a lot of it, but it was a states' rights versus. Technically, if you want to break it down to your brother, it's states' rights to own people. Yeah, you, you know what I mean. And that's really what it was, right? But you want to pretty it up a little, put a little lipstick on it. Yeah, you want to call it states' rights. Sure, okay, but states' rights to do what, right? Well, um, it's up property. Well, that's right? why and I always were, laughed when people are like, "No, it wasn't about that. It was about it was a monetary thing." I was like, "Yeah, the <laughs> the financial aspect of owning people. That's what it was about." <laughs> Higher economy and backbone <laughs> south was built upon slavery. Yeah, so, I mean, so and so once that's taken away, yeah, you're screwed. <laughs> yeah, but what a war. Uh, and the crazy part is, I don't know, numbers might be off, but man, it, it's something along the lines of a high high percentage. I'll, I'll leave it at that. A, a very very high percentage of Southerners did not own slaves uh, and did not yeah. have the monetary ability to own slaves. Slaves were, excuse me, expensive. You know, they're. I mean, in the tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, in that time, right? That's not that's not you know uh, you know, made for inflation or, or whatnot. We're adjusted for inflation. I mean, they were expensive yeah. in, in in that time period, right? So the majority of and just imagine. I mean, that's say what you will, and and it, think about the the politicians at that time were able to convince a, an entire population to fight for something they would never have the ability to own right. and to die. I mean, that is, that, if that ain't some incredible politicking, it's shit, man. That's insane. Pardon my French. I don't know. Be a good um, it, Yeah, it doesn't matter. But you know what I mean? Like, I'm a New Yorker, you're New Jersey. And the, yeah, we're, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> Great. That's crazy politics right there. To be able to convince that, I mean, shit, that's, that's I know. crazy. I know. The, the book I'm reading, it's so fascinating because when you hear the um, the congressman talking, it's like, it's... <laughs> It's so gross. You know what I mean? It's like, well, you know, yeah, black people have freedom. And then, like, some of these, like, northerners were like, well, hold on. If we do an amendment, you know, what's next? A a spouse can't, um, you know, have sex with his wife basically whenever he wants. You know, like, spousal rape stuff. And, like, it's just really gross. Like, some states you couldn't, you know, what do you tell me? I can't can't beat my wife? Yeah. Because, you know, in New York, that that uh, that was legal for quite some time. Yeah, it's insane. I mean, that time period itself, when looking back today and reading the words of individuals back then, it's uh, it's astounding. It really is. It's a reminder, to me at least, that, yeah, I mean, look, have we got some shit we got to deal with now? Yeah. Do we have some serious racial problems? Yeah. But you're looking at the words and the things and, and the ideas and the, the accepted nature of society at that time, Compared to where we are, it's a reminder that we have at least made progress. Right, right. definitely come some way. But you know, we can't rest on our laurels and say, "Well, look, slavery's over, yeah. so we're good." No, you know, I mean, with the mm-hmm. lovely argument people love to throw out there, we had a black presence, so no racism anymore. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, because everybody accepted that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, those those famous hang in there Obama uh, yeah. signs. I mean, Jesus, man. We did. Um, I did a project actually with my students a couple years ago, and it was a transcription event. So we worked with the National Ar- Archives, we worked with uh, the Smithsonian, we worked at the um, American American Heritage Association, and it was on a Saturday. It was during the the school year in Zoom, 
So we all met up Saturday morning, Zoom meeting, and each group of students had a couple of teachers that were, this is all volunteer, and somebody from the Smithsonian or the National Archives. And we went through Reconstruction era documents and transcribed them. It was such a cool thing. Man. Yeah. It was, it was like, because everything's written in, you know, first off, 19th century language, right? And, yeah. and in handwriting. Handwriting, and so we went through word by word. We literally, like, that word looks like the, that word looks like uh, storage, right, or whatever it was, and transcribed letters that were now we would submit them to another person to look them over, and those letters were now put into the National Archives of the Smithsonian. Uh, and it was really cool, man. It was cool just to see. And it was all the Wilmington area over in North Carolina. It's where I am now. Yeah. And so documents that really were they had to do with North Carolina which was neat. And so my students got to, you know, have their names put on papers and documents that are now going to be put in the Smithsonian and the National Archives, which is, I mean, you can't get much better than that. It's yeah, that's nice. pretty cool. You teach also civics and economics yes. in high school. Okay. Civics, I didn't, man, I don't even remember getting civics in high school. And I'm like from a decent area education. Okay. Class. I, and I think that's so huge. I think, um, Oh, it's huge now. I think it was called, where I went to school, it was called Doc Law. My wife took that. I took an honors class. I took political theory, so I skipped Doc Law and went up to the honors class. But I don't really remember, to be honest with you, taking a class literally named Civics. Yeah. Um, which they're changing our curriculum down here. Civics and economics used to be one course. And so the first half was civics, and obviously the second half was economics. Now they're going to take those apart, give each one of them their, their own course, okay. which I actually think is pretty good. The only downfall to that is they used to have what was called American One, which was 1492 to uh, 1877. Mm-hmm. And then American Two was 1877 to present day. Now they're putting everything just right into just, just back to what was used, used to be called U.S. history. Oh, gotcha. And there's no way. It's just You're cliff gonna, notes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and as a you know, as a historian, as a history teacher, I like you know the details. And you, you're a history buff. The yeah. details is the fun part, right? That's the part that is intriguing. And, and yeah, it's going to be a challenge to, to to teach that. However, you know, as you had said, the importance of everybody taking the civics class. I really feel like the whole United States should just stop and send everybody back to civics. Yeah, <laughs> okay, reset. Learn government, please. And now let's let's just we'll, we'll meet back up after you're done with your course. Yeah, well, you know, I think that's so huge. And I'm studying Reconstruction now because I realized there was something I've only dabbled with. Read a lot on the Revolutionary Era and then you know the Constitutional Era, I guess you could call it. And it's funny, everybody always talks about you know original intent or going back to what the founders wanted. And the one thing a lot of these guys talked about though was like civic duty you know like people chipping into society and being a part of the process and we don't have that so they don't know what they're talking about at that point because there was a, i guess a, a pride well first of all when i really read about that era it's not as there's a certain mythology to it now there's a lot of mythology, right uh, it was it was kind of just thrown together and it kind of just worked out, luckily. But there's so many competing thoughts on that right. time on, on how to move forward and what we'd actually end up being. So, you know, this this idea like, well, this is what the founders wanted. We only really pay attention to like three or four founders. There's, there's a whole slew of <laughs> other guys there yes. yeah. who had that, a lot of different ideas. 
Yeah, and and also had a lot of dark sides to yeah. them as well, right? And so you know the heroification of, uh, of of a lot of our founding fathers is something that's very dangerous, you know, as well as with as is with anybody in history. Yeah, you know, slapping the label of a hero on anybody in history, in my opinion, is dangerous, and I think should be avoided at all costs. At least that's what I, I try to. I don't. I try to instill that within my. You know my students where it's it's and i'm not saying that people in american history aren't heroes yeah we do have people who, who did heroic acts right absolutely but it's so much easier for one to turn an eye on the things that maybe their quote-unquote their hero did that maybe is not very unsavory right mm-hmm. um you know perfect example that i grew up as a big che guevara fan i was big on che guevara and you know, rage against the machine was my favorite band growing yeah. up still still love rage um, but Che Guevara was my, you know, was, that was my hero growing up. Well, it made it real easy for me to turn a blind eye that Che Guevara did some pretty shitty things. Yeah, you know, executed a lot of people, executed gay folks on on Cuba. You know, did some really like bad things. Now, does that take away from you know his ideals and and what they were fighting for at that time? In my opinion, no, it doesn't take away from that. But it it grounds him as being human. And when I when I kind of took that label of hero away from him. I mean, if you think about it, once you, you call someone a hero, you take their humanity away. Thus, now not allowing them to be a human, showing blemishes and all. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and, you know, the founding fathers, man, they, shit, they had a lot of blemishes. They did some amazing, absolutely amazing things. Right. The Constitution, the oldest living Constitution in use in the world today. Hey, there's a reason for that. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's just, it is amazing how it came together. And I think, yeah, so, like, I love Thomas Jefferson for the virtues he talks about. Mm-hmm. But he's a very interesting character to me because there's such a duality there. Like he was, he couldn't live what he preached. You know, he he talked a lot about slavery being an abomination and and all these things. And he talked about you know um, sound money, but he was he died in debt and he couldn't really get rid of his slaves. He used to sell his slaves to kind of pay his debt. But a lot of the ideas he he espoused to, I, I really you know I. I I look up to him for for some of those things, but I know he's yeah. got a very bad dark side too. When it comes conflicted, to well, for sure, man. He yeah. had some stuff going on, you know. Yeah, uh, maybe marrying what is his wife's. Uh, you know, oh, that was, yeah, having six kids or whatever with her. Yeah. Sally Hemings, that was it, right? Yeah, there was some stuff happening. He did some. He did some things, yeah. you know. And sure, absolutely, you know, absolutely, yeah. And, and it's the same thing. I mean, Washington, you know, look, have we not had him as, as the general? Chances are we're not a country. I get it. Yeah. Absolutely. Now, so a really – now, for me, as, you know, like I said, as a history teacher, the darker side, I don't know, should be used so much to villainize as as much as it is. Again, it's just totally a, right. a look at what – of humanity, of just human beings and – the human beings are capable of really good things and some really bad things all wrapped up in the same package. Now, you know, I get the fact that, you know, statues of people who own slaves, I get that that pisses people off. I, amen. I totally understand that. I'm a white male from middle class, you know, middle class Long Island. Uh, I am not going to pretend to say that I see the world right out of, you know, any person's of color's eyes. And if that pisses off a certain population, look, I get it. You know what I mean? A hundred percent. But, you know, at the same time, like, for example, in the county that I live in, I was I, I work about an hour away uh, from where I live. And um, so the county that I live in, I, I teach in a different county. They just passed a law 
initiative, I guess you want to call it, the county commissioners held $8 million from the school budget in, for ransom, essentially, and said, we're not going to give the schools this $8 million until you pass a bill within the county that states that if they are an person of American history, anybody who, who is in American history, they must be taught as nothing less than a hero. And that is astoundingly ridiculous to me on so many levels, you know, and it's like, so you, so let's talk about that, you know, like, okay, so John Wilkes Booth, you know what I mean? Like, See a hero? Yeah. yeah. Or you could flip it on its head and you could be like, all right, great. So let's do a whole unit on Hillary Clinton. You know, yeah. People off, you know, Bernie Sanders. You want to talk? Hey, shit, let's talk about Bernie Sanders. You know, like, so it could go either way. But regardless, it shouldn't happen either way. Right. And and there shouldn't be a talk that, you know, founding fathers were villains and bad guys. No, no, no. They're human beings. Right. What it is. And as a student, you, here's the beautiful part of that. As a student, you get to determine for yourself what you believe. Right. You know, and that's that's the thing. You know, give give the students, give the kids the give them the information from both sides. Like for example, I use a lot of um Zinn in my class, People's History of the United States. It's, uh, it's one of my favorite books. I love Zinn. But I also use a book uh, written by Schweikart and Allen called A Patriot's History of the United States, which is your right wing version of a people's history, and I give both chapters. Whether it's talking about Columbus, I'll throw both chapters at my kids and let them read both sides. Um, your your left version of history and your right version of history. It just kind of, hey, man, then I'll ask questions on what do you think? How do you think? What do you believe the author meant by this? And allow them to critically think. Mm-hmm. And there's just not enough of that. Yeah, I agree with you. Columbus is another interesting one to me because I, I kind of I kind of hate Columbus just because <laughs> of a lot of the shit he did. <laughs> but that one is. I cannot I cannot take it away from him and I think it's it has been a little bit even though he did it accidentally and the terrible things he did, finding America, and I know he didn't discover America, that's kind of bullshit, but other people found America, obviously, the Vikings, I think, were here. There's there's always talk that they, the Chinese made it here, but then they had a civil war when they went back, and it, it never amounted to anything that they found it. Um, but him bringing Europe and America together is an accomplishment that you can't take away from him, because he, he did. Sure, he played a he played a vital part in that. Absolutely right. Um, you know, now what transpired uh, is a whole another discussion, right? right? You know, I talk about what transpired to the natives, uh, specifically the Taino people that he came across out in the you know, the, the islands. I mean, what happened to them? I mean, ninety percent of the population was destroyed, killed, yeah. murdered. Disease obviously ripped, you know, raged, right? Um, yeah. And, and that goes into you know Plymouth as well, right? When the when the pilgrims rolled up, right? You know, in sixteen nineteen, and, and and then you know rolled up into that area. You know, a massive smallpox uh, epidemic, right? Wiped out a massive portion of those folks. So when you know pilgrims rolled up, man, there was there was all empty, <laughs> all empty villages, right? Yeah. But again, it's going back to Columbus. Yeah, I mean, look, the, Bartolome de las Casas. Mm-hmm. He was a slave owner, had a plantation out in what t- today would be Cuba. And, you know, he was pretty much all about, right, that life. And then saw what Spanish were doing to the Tainos, right, and the native population there. And actually began to write letters back to King Philip and was like, look, I just need you to know, you know, if you're a Christian, this stuff's happening in your name. 
and it's happening in the name of Jesus Christ. So you might want to like take a look at this. And uh, he did engravings and all that stuff. He actually um, he transcribed Columbus's journals and all that type of stuff. So De Las Casas, who was a was a man of the church, you know, saw all this and was like, "Holy shit, what are we doing here?" You know. Yeah. And it's crazy, but yeah. But can you take away the fact that Columbus played a vital role in connecting Europe and America? No, no. He did that. That yeah. took place. You know. Now, whatever you want to feel about Columbus, that's up to you. Right. You know? Right. So yeah, that's where I think it's important. Like we can recognize a role somebody played in something, but also recognize maybe the bad parts or the parts we don't like about them, and still respect what they did for whatever that was. Would, forming the country or Columbus finding the country. I mean, hell, I can go to, to Roosevelt and talk about how he uh, put Japanese in internment camps, but we don't talk about that that much because he's he's kind of a hero yeah. because he, he led us through uh, depression. A depression and then the World War, and that kind of is the highlight of what he did. It's the, the, what, the 20... Oh, God, I remember. It's 23rd? 22nd or 23rd of them, right? Uh, essentially making it uh, law that you can't serve two more than two terms. You know, after him, yeah, it was it was an unspoken truth at that point, which is kind of like don't do that. And he was like, "That I'm going to do this." <laughs> yeah, and to be fair, he was kind of old. I think he lasted what one year into his fourth term yeah. or something like that. Would have been there, and then obviously Truman comes in. But but yeah, you know, look, you can you can do that about everybody, right? And that's that's kind of going back to what the point I was saying. We got to stop this heroification of people. Yeah, because like I said, it, it takes humanity away from them. And, and it blinds us to see the true impacts that these individuals and their actions had today, right? Because, I mean, look, I mean, that's what history is, right? We are the sum yeah. of history. We are the sum of every action, uh, every reaction, you know, every, uh, you know, every meetup between people, every conversation, everything done right, everything done wrong. We are living in that result right now. And, and to figure out what the hell is happening today, you know, we've got to try to look at it as, you know, as subjectively as possible, you know, yeah. and to really look at it and say, okay, so-and-so did this, okay, how did that, but then they really did some pretty shitty things. And so how did that affect, right? And, and you know, Roosevelt is, is one of the perfect examples of that. I mean, social security, right? There's a ton of stuff that we have. Uh, that helps out a lot of folks in the United States today, right? And then there was a lot of shit that he did to the, you know, to the to the Asian community for sure. Yeah, I always think about him because he is kind of the hero of the left. And honestly, I wish there was a guy kind of like him or Teddy Roosevelt right now <laughs> that we had somebody who was willing to take on corporations or or whatever. But yeah, I mean, I could. I could respect some of the things he did. And what you're saying is, I think it is true. Like, you don't want to make him a total hero, but you don't want to villainize the guy either. He just he just was a you human know, look, being. And we're all like that. We all have our issues, right? Really shitty things in my life. Like, <laughs> bad things that yeah. I've done. Uh, yeah, we all have, right? And this, so if we're just going to read that chapter about our lives, is that painting the full picture, right? Have I done some good things? Yeah, but if we're only going to read that chapter in our life, you know, same thing. You know, it's like looking at a highlight reel. You know, I, I played baseball my entire life. I was a, a baseball coach for many years. You look at a high, highlight reel, or just your average player throughout, a, 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 you know, a season, right? But, dude, this is the greatest player I've ever seen. This guy's insane. Holy shit, look at this stuff. This guy doesn't look good, yeah. right? But you, if you're only looking at the highlight reel, well, are you getting the full picture? You know, my the way I kind of look at it is, look, can I... Andrew Jackson, okay. That guy's a dick. Yeah. I'll straight out. Jackson was a dick. 
Do I feel he was one of the more villainous presidents? Sure, absolutely. You know what I mean? But, you know, he played a role in this country. So what I'm more interested in is what was the role that he played? Right? A trail of Tears, for example, things like that. Right. And what effect does it? are we still reeling from today? Let's not get caught up in all the, uh, good guy, bad guy. No, no, okay, yeah. Again, you can feel how you want to feel. It's fine. Yeah, I agree. He was a dick. He was an asshole. Um, but what's more important is how the things that he did, how are we dealing with? Right? That's weird. what's the connections there, right? And 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 how did that influence the past that we also study? Because it's all a thread, you know, whether you realize it or not. You know, yeah. I try to tell my kids all the time: history is not a line; it's not linear; it's a web. Yeah. Because every interaction goes in multiple different ways. Every, you know, I mean, every situation, however many people that are in that situation, well, that's the amount of perspectives that you have in that situation. Everybody may see it differently, and those are going to, you know, branch off into other ways. Well, you know, that's where it's hard too in a country. As big as we are, obviously I'm in the East Coast. You're on the East Coast too. You're, I guess, you're a little further. I don't know. They, I would be, I guess, one of those East Coast. <laughs> I would be one of those people they yell about on the East Coast. Although I, I think Jersey is very, very. Um, there's a, yeah. it's purplish. You know yeah, what I mean? Sure, absolutely. It, it's uh, there's a lot of rich upper class yep. white people who um, Long Island's very similar. Yeah, very similar. I mean, you look at Long Island by itself; it's there is a lot of red on Long Island. Yeah, for sure, there is absolutely. I remember saying to my friend now when Hillary lost. I remember talking to him on the on that Super Tuesday or whatever for Election Day in uh, 2016, and they just they kept predicting she was going to win. And I remember having a conversation with him on like my lunch break. I was driving around, and we're both like, I see like five times the amount of Trump signs. <laughs> To Hillary's eyes in New Jersey. Now she did take Jersey, but still, but she she lost the election, right? No, so you know, I, I pay. I was paying particular attention to social media. You know, everybody, all the pundits were all predicting Hillary, and and in the lead, the weeks leading up to the election, I started that. I, I was like, I don't know about that though, man. I mean, if you listen to what the people are saying, bots. I don't know how popular and big bots were in 2016. But, you know, you just you kind of put your, you try to put your finger on the pulse and and just kind of just shut up and listen for a little bit. and Just pay attention to what you're seeing. And I got a, a, a pretty big feeling going into 2016. I was like, I don't think she's going to win. And yeah. I, I don't see it, you know, and, and what happened is what happened. Right. I mean, you know, that's all of the discussion itself. I, I don't know. You know, there's a whole huge war on social media right now. It's been there for years that the Hillary supporters blame Bernie. And the Bernie supporters blame Hillary. And it's, you know, and it's it's a really interesting dynamic between the two. You know, I mean, I look, man, I, I, for me personally, I'm not a Trump fan at all. Oh, and I can't stand, I never could stand the guy being from this area. I've never been a fan of Trump. I mean, that goes back to the Senator Park Five, all that stuff. Yeah. You know, and by the way, anybody listening, none of my students ever know my political affiliation, nor who I like and who I don't like. I always tell them, you know, Mr. Smith, who did you vote for? It has no bearing in with that whatsoever in this right. class. When you graduate and you become a civilian, uh, you can ask me uh, any of my political views. I'll tell you after you graduate, and I'll give you my podcast link uh, when I graduate, too, because none of my kids are allowed to listen to my podcast. <laughs> fruitful language on there. But anyways, you know, uh, look, man, my opinion, there's really one entity to blame for Trump is the Democrats, in my opinion. Okay. Um, you know, I feel like they forced Hillary on a lot of people, whether you liked her or you didn't. You know, you could see they had this laser tunnel vision of this who are this is our candidate. Didn't matter what Bernie did, didn't matter what the numbers Bernie put up, this was their candidate. They were hell bent on having the first female president. Yeah. And, 
and unfortunately, you know, I have been called a misogynist because of that view. And it's interesting because I feel like we are well due for a female president. Yeah. 100%. Oh, yeah. I just don't think she was the right person for that particular job at that point. I think there could have been a thousand other women that were yeah. way and could have ran one. Well, she was definitely – listen, she was establishment, right? So it was kind of like she earned her due. And honestly, they wanted to run her in 08, but Obama, the groundswell he had forced them to go with yeah. him. But I, I think they wanted that from a totally political standpoint. The Democrats wanted the win of having the first black person in the White House and then having the first female president. Look at us, a good woman too. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And they were trying to ride that wave. And for them, it was more like political points. Yeah. You know, rather than who was the best candidate, because in their mind, Trump, Trump's not going to win. There's no way he's going to win. Yeah. A lot of people talk about how she ran, but I think what she did was say, this guy's going to trip on himself eventually. He just says crazy shit. Yeah. You know, and uh, I thought he was done when he bashed McCain. And I was like, he cannot get away with that. He's talking about a guy who got tortured for five years, who refused to leave prisoner of war a prisoner of war he could have left on his name alone and he stayed you called you know you essentially called a prisoner of war a loser yeah it's just i was like he's done he's done they were how many dude though there was like a mil like and i hate it was like a million times where it was like boom that's it he just i know and he's holding uh, nothing i know well because you know what when it first started it was kind of funny I used to mm. laugh. Like, I'd watch some of those debates. Just, I was like, this is so funny. Yeah, so I, <laughs> I think this dude's crazy. I, I understand this slight appeal. People like to flirt with, like, third-party candidates or these fringe guys. Like, you know, like Ron Paul had, like, a moment. I thought that's kind of what it was going to be. Because he, he was kind of like a middle finger when he came out to this whole establishment thing. And I thought it was funny. I obviously didn't want him to be president. I never liked him. He's got to be the greatest con man who ever lived. Um, because, goddamn, he he fucked up so many businesses. <laughs> like, he had a business where you just give him your money, and he blew it. And he blew it in the casino business. Yeah, people come in and give you money. They just give it to you. The house always wins. <laughs> you know, it's like it's built on the fact that you can't lose any fucking. Un- unbelievable but you know what he was awesome in a way that he lost so hard they yeah. couldn't let him lose the banks had to renegotiate with him yeah, because, yeah. it was you know and like I, I know a lot of people that oh, well, we need an outsider or we need somebody to run a, uh, you know we need somebody to run I heard this a lot this, we need somebody to run this country like a business alright so let's let's break that down for a second that, but yeah. All right, so first off right Corporations, okay, their owners are shareholders, right? So it's anybody who puts money into that building or into that company, right? So people who aren't putting money into it don't get shit, right? So that's that's number one. So unless you're giving into this person and giving them something, well, then you're not going to get shit out of me. Well, that's not very democratic. Number two, you know what I mean? Business is, is competition, and the competition is winners and there's losers, right? Right. So when you have somebody who's going to run this country as a corporation who doesn't have a great track record either but you know if you don't you're not a shareholder right and you are not necessarily uh, for this person then you get okay, to the the mentality of that way it, or, or the business world is i'm going to crush you yeah that's it that's that's what competition is that's free market capitalism it's really what it is and so you know when you, you look at it like oh we need somebody who's going to run it like a business no man no well, i mean unless you want half the country to be the alienated and left out if that's the kind of country you want to live in 
which is essentially where we are now. Um, and look, that you know, that started way before Trump, for sure. Like we were talking about that before. I mean, but did he throw a ton of you know a ton of gas on the fire? Hell yeah, yeah. That dude yeah. set this place up. Right, that fire was there for sure, but he, he just said, "Hey, take all the gasoline, whatever." You know, yeah. I mean, and we're still from it. I think the Democrats are screwed in twenty-four. Oh, I do too. I, I, they they put themselves in a corner, man. Um, you know, Biden. I mean, his approval ratings are abysmal at the moment. I mean, he's going to be what one hundred four, and uh, you know, I mean, I yeah. don't see how he. No, he he can't. They need like a young, dynamic guy. You know, they need Obama again, but that's not going to happen. But you know, Biden's issue is he's not the right man for the time. You know, he he comes from a time where uh, you could reach across. I mean, that's how old he is. I mean, when Kamala Harris, before you know, she became buddies with him and his vice president, try to take him down, mm-hmm. and she was talking about the buses and segregation. I I remember sitting there. I go, that's how long this fucking guy has been here. Like. So and the dude's been there forever. So he's from a time where they used to actually reach across the aisle and get things done. Like for instance, I will give him credit uh, that I don't think he really gets. I thought he handled the Ukraine Russian thing very well with the rest of the world. And that's what he's good at. He's good at trying to get people together. Problem is you have an opposition party who wants nothing to do with being together. They want to watch you lose. They want to see, I'm sorry, like like I said, I'm an independent, but I can also see what's going on. They will not vote on legislation that he can use, even if it's good for America, that he can use to win again. And they didn't, they didn't let Obama do it either. Mitch McConnell said it, my job is to make this guy a one-term president. Who the fuck goes out and says that? Like you, That's like the thing that doesn't get said. And, 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 and that was... Oh, my wife about it earlier today. I don't think she was listening. She was in politics, but um, you know, I mean, like he, he called himself like the grave. You know, he was like, "I'm the grave digger of yeah. liberals." You know, like what? What is what? And like, there, and you're right. The, the 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 Republicans of today, right? The Republican Party of today would rather slit your throat and watch you bleed out. While you know whether or not the country is burning or not doesn't matter, right? right. Just as long as they're, they're opposite, they if they get the win in their mind, they get the W. And they're good. They're happy. Yeah. They can put it on a campaign ad. So, and you're right. You're absolutely right. Biden doesn't play that way. He doesn't know how to play he that way. And he's getting, they're beating the shit out of him. Yeah. The, the Democrats have been spineless for a long time. They don't know how to play hardball. I don't know if they're interested in it. If they're a weird party. I don't really understand them very much because they just they just take shot after shot after shot after shot. Don't fire back. Yeah. And, don't understand it's like they enjoy just getting the shit yeah they they definitely so that's a big difference between the two parties too where the republicans are very locked into what their agenda is and the democrats i like to say they have a big tent i mean they're kind of like three or four parties in one you have the the bernie wing you know you have obviously then you have i guess mansion is his own wing look i mean as long and and you get what the Democrats haven't really understood was that the Republicans have realized and started with the Tea Party was start at the grassroots level, yeah. start at your county level, yeah. get your party there, and then move up. It's not about 
who's got the presidency. People have this weird idea that the president could just do whatever the hell they want. No, we do have three branches of government, you know, but we also have federalism, right, which breaks down between the state and the federal governments and the state governments and the, and the local governments. You know, they hold a shit ton of power in what happens with your state and the states hold the power within obviously Congress, right? And that's where the laws come from federally. And so the Republicans got on board with that a long time ago. Yeah. They were like, we're going to get this. We need to take control of the local you know, municipalities. Yeah. we got to roll up to the state levels. And then we can pack what we need to pack into the Senate and to the, into the Congress, right? And and that helps with gerrymandering. Yep. All stuff. I mean, that's just- oh, it's, it's going to help, too, with changing the voting laws, right? It's already going to pay dividends because they're, they're going to do that. And they've also done it with the courthouses. I mean, they're they're packed. For, think about it. These guys have lifetime appointments. They're going to rule all the courts for 40 years. I mean, uh, you know, your you federal judges, all that stuff. Yep. I mean, it's every, every district judges, every circuit judges, everything that is below what we as a people pay attention to in the media, which is your three branches, right? But everything below that is where all really, I mean, shit, let's be honest with you. Yeah, it's frustrating what Mitch McConnell does, but really on a daily basis, what what does really, what does Mitch McConnell do that interferes with our lives? Not all mm-hmm. that much, but your county commissioners, yeah, they do. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and you know, your, your state general assembly, oh yeah, yeah, they do. Yeah, you know, I, we, I always say that. It's funny, we have our eye on the Fed so much, but the state and local governments just they can do basically whatever they want unobstructed because nobody they, even to try to figure out what's going on locally yeah. you have to go through like a labyrinth to try to figure oh, it out it really is. it's really difficult just to figure out who's running yeah and it's difficult to do that but the republicans man have jumped on that they you know what it was they they played the long game really yeah and and the, you know the perfect example is throwing you know, putting Joe Biden up to, to defeat Trump. Sure, was he the right guy to beat Trump at that time? Well, obviously he'd be right. so sure. You know, good call there. But they played the short game because now what are you doing 24? He's too old. Dude, he ain't going to run. He can't. He can't. And, and the, the Democratic voting base does not like Harris, hence why she was one of the first to drop out in 2020. She had abysmal numbers. Look, again, I'm all for a woman president. 100%. I think we're way, way, way overdue. Yeah. But, you know, I think we need to choose somebody who is, you know, or I hate not choose, but really take a look at a multiple group of women. You know what I mean? Look around and, and don't just go for who you think is going to play well in these states or that state. No, who's who's the best candidate? And and so, again, that's the example of the, of the Democrats playing a short game because now, shit, they screwed themselves in 2024. Yeah. But the, uh, the Republicans are playing a long game for years. And they've been doing that that lower level and working their way up, and it's paid off in dividends. But the Democrats are, are, you know, you got to have technically have control of Congress, right, and the White House, but can't do shit, can't pass yeah. anything. Well, I mean, the filibuster is—that's the most ridiculous thing ever. It's the most. It, there's nothing that says they have to have the filibuster. There's no constitutional nope. right to it. It's just something nope. that's been there. It was some weird defect from, um, I think it's from Aaron Burr. Yeah, if and I'm it really incorrectly until like the early 1900s. Yeah, nobody sure really used it, and it wasn't used like it is now ever until it's within the last. 15 yeah, McConnell years. learned how to weaponize it. Is what well, happened. Exactly. I mean, where there was there should be a process, right? Where it was Mr. Smith goes to Washington, right, and right. you'd stand there and actually talk, and now they're just like filibuster, and yeah. uh, like they just fast track that, and it was like, whoa, what happened? But they can get rid of it easily. Yeah. But they're just 
afraid of what will happen to them later on down the line. And it's again decision based, you know, decisions based on fear. Yeah. Get to. It's funny because I've always talked about that they should get rid of that. You know, like my father or somebody asked me, like, well, how are you going to feel about that if, uh, if you know, Trump got back in and this and that? I said, it would suck. But it's actually the way it's supposed to work constitutionally. Yeah, it's not mentioned in the Constitution at all. But if you look at it from, like, what is it, like a negative perspective, they've laid out where you would have to have, you know, three-fourths of a vote, which would be, you know, for ratification purposes or... Um, so in that sense, you know, it, it's definitely a tool that was never never intended to happen. And it's, it is, it's a tool that's just totally stopped government in its tracks. Which is exactly what we said has been weaponized, right? Yeah. It's been weaponized for wins and losses and not for the betterment of the country. And, you know, like, look, man, there was, there was literally a time where Ted Cruz is up there during a filibuster reading Green Eggs. And yeah. It's like, wow, you know, like, that's where we are at right now. <laughs> like, it's that, that's, ladies and gentlemen, the United States government. <laughs> that's that's yeah. where we have come to. And it's, and it's sad and it's, but you're right. Yeah, and we have this crazy heat wave going all around the world. <clears throat> right oh now. yeah, the UK is on fire. Like that's insane. Like it's actually warm in like the UK in July. Which, I know. You know what I mean? It's and, like one hundred eight or something though. It's insane. insane. Like, I went to Paris a couple of years back, and um, my wife and I. The day we went to Paris was like one hundred and two, uh, and I mean that was incredibly unnormal. Um, Ireland, we went to again, really, really nice weather. Ireland's got shitty weather all the time. And, and I love Ireland. It's one of the most beautiful places I've ever gone to in my life. I'd yeah. love to move. But it's got shitty weather. <laughs> you know what I mean? But they're up in the hundreds now at this point. And it's just, I think it was what, it's um, Ludo, Ludo Airport. They had to cancel all their flights yesterday because it got so hot it melted the runway. Right? But let's let's just make it harder to fix things for climate change. Right? Let's no. just, you know, let's just uh, pretend it's still a fucking Chinese hoax is whatever they were calling it years back. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I remember okay. when they when they have these heat waves. They had like uh, they had one years ago, and I remember people. It's like they don't even have air conditioning in some of these places because it never gets that hot. So the people yeah. were dying in yeah. developed countries because they're just they're not accustomed to that type of weather. Well, you know, my brother was just telling me the other day in his son's school in Hamilton, New Jersey. There's no air conditioning. Yeah, a lot of them don't either. Either you know what I mean? And and now thinking back to where I grew up in Long Island, no, there wasn't. It wasn't air conditioning in my school. No, either. June was tough. Oh, yeah, June was a tough month, but now it's even tougher. Now yeah. it's brutal now. I mean, down here in North Carolina, we get out of school. In my county, we're out uh, Memorial Day. Do you guys start in August? Yeah. Yeah, that's like Florida. I think it was like that, too. Over here, it's September. Yeah, so, you know, we start, I think we end in May, like, 20th, which is pretty badass if you think about it. It's all right. It's not bad. Yeah, it's not bad. And, you know, we need, you know, even in May, you need that air conditioning. <laughs> I think down north, <laughs> it gets it gets hot, man. It's serious down here. Yeah, it's a heat down. Don't I remember. Know. I remember being in some of those classrooms at like one o'clock. You're like, oh yeah. my god, I got another hour, two hours. Yeah, <laughs> man. It's just, you're doing like one of those, like, you know, <laughs> but you're sweating at the same time. Yeah. Like, that's yeah. a tough day. You start fanning yourself with the book, and somebody would be like, "You're gonna make yourself hotter because you're moving." I don't yeah. care. I don't care. <laughs> It's like you're moving too much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Give me some air conditioning. No, I think the newer parts now that they build, they'll throw the air conditioning in, but they um, yeah. 
I hope so. But if you're in well, the old ones, the, the old part of the schools, you're screwed. Yeah, man, they have to now. I mean, look, unless they're going to be climate deniers on that too. Right? I mean, yeah. It's just, yeah, it's yeah, it's affecting us even down to tenth grade. <laughs> it's in our classrooms. Crazy. Yeah. So let me ask you uh, about your podcast because I, sure. I told you before we uh, started recording, I started listening to some. I really enjoyed it, and I'm not just saying that because you're here. I just it, it's yeah. good if you did. That's okay. I don't yeah. <laughs> no, I, I. You know what? It was. It's such a good idea. I told you before. I was like, oh man, I was jealous of that idea. Hey, take it and run with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How did you guys come up with that? I wanted to do a podcast for a while. And, you know, there's there's two things to it. Number one was I just liked the concept, really. I just you know, it was just brainstorming one day, and I was like, hey, man, how about we just come up with a topic? And I've listened to you know, things they don't want you to know, and I love those podcasts mm-hmm. and stuff. I wasn't interested in writing a script. Um, I don't like it scripted. I like exactly what we're doing right now, just this kind of BS and just talking with each other type deal. Yeah. And um, so it was kind of just like, hey, you know, I like weird things. My buddies like weird things. And um, so why don't we just talk about some weird things? And originally, the first couple of episodes, what we did was each one of us had to use a different browser when we did our research. So like one week I was allowed to use Google. Next week, my buddy had to use or he was using DuckDuckGo. My other buddy could only use uh, YouTube. And so we weren't falling over and tripping over the same information that we were bringing back. And so the idea was just to look, let's just figure out as much shit as we can about this particular topic and just just spill it on the table and just try to put put together the story of whatever it is that we're talking about. And um, and the second thing was, is it's I'm down here in North Carolina. My two buddies, uh, Bill and Joe, who are on the, on the podcast, they're up on Long Island. My buddy Mark, who he's out in Colorado. And so it was really just an excuse for me to hang out with a couple of my friends and just catch up with them as well. Really, I mean, that's really how it came together. And originally, I had asked one of my coworkers, Chris, uh, if he wanted to do it. And he was like, ah, going back to college, all this type of stuff. So he wasn't available. And I was like, bro, let me go ask my other buddies. And they were like, hell yeah, let's do it. And the rest is history, I guess, right? Yeah, it's really cool. I mean, you're probably like me. I was spending so much time thinking about doing a podcast. Man, I had so many plans. And I mean, I co-hosted with somebody for a little while. That's actually how I got the name of the show. Um, I used to be on this show. It was called the Luke Capetta Show with Jay Burke. He's a really good buddy of mine, and we used to just bullshit. On your first episode, correct? What's that? He was on your first episode. Of he episode? was on my first episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but he had said, I don't know. He was joking around one of the episodes that if he died, he's like, "Well, what would we do?" And he's like, "Well, I guess it would just be with Jay Burke or something." <laughs> yeah. And I was like, "Oh, that's kind of cool." Like the with Jay Burke show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's where, so that's where I got that from. And um, yeah, I mean, I did it with him for a little while. And then I had some, you know, family issues. My mother was sick for a while. So I, I had to take a step back. And then um, I wanted to get back into it. And I remember I was just like, for the longest time, I was just planning and mm-hmm. plotting along. And then, you know, one day I just, I finally was like, screw it, I'm going to do it. I bought the, the setup. I had it there, and I remember recording like by myself and trying to talk, and I'm like, you sound like a psychopath. <laughs> and I was like, I got to get guests, guests on this show. This is terrible. I, I have done like one or two. So I did one by myself, and then I had to script out because yeah. I just I can't talk off the fly. Like my buddy Lou can just talk. Yeah. Uh, he's actually better that way. It's it's always like funny to me that he could do that. Like for me, it's just, there's a lot of dead air. Yeah. <laughs> Understandable. Well, you know, like technically, I mean, I do have, I do all my research on a Google Doc. 
mm-hmm. have it in front of me. Um, and I'm, I refer to that right when, when I'm talking and things like that. Yeah. On the podcast. So, you know, th- technically, is there the script? I don't know. The guidelines? Sure. Bits of information. Yeah. I copied and pasted down, and, you know, so I can reference back to references uh, at hand. Sure. Yeah, I'll you do know. that, too, sometimes. But, yeah, it's like a guide, like you said, because I, I don't like to stifle conversation by trying to, like, yeah, you know, reading it off of whatever. But, yeah, if I have to do it by myself, I'll done a few or I've done one and I'm recording two more by myself, but um, I have to script it out. Yeah, of course. Yeah, but I have to script it where I sound like I'm not scripting. <laughs> I'm not scripting it out. Which is really hard, man. It's it is hard. <laughs> it's, it's weird how things translate or don't translate, you know? Yeah. And, yeah, absolutely. And I wasn't sure if this idea was going to translate. Um, you know, we've got to rework it. One of my buddies, uh, Mark, I regret to say, is going to step back from the podcast. Um, and I think I was talking to you earlier about it. And so he's going to go and actually he's going to start working on his own podcast uh, that he's going to do. And I'll probably end up just being a co-host with him, which I'm super psyched because I don't have to edit. Uh, editing is a it's idea. such a bitch. I know. Long. And so, like, if I could be on a podcast and not have to edit, awesome, I'll do it, which then opens up that fourth seat, which is why, you know, I'd ask you if, you, man, if you're interested. Um, I'd love to just kind of have a rotation of, of just guest hosts, you know, friends of the show and just come on in and just yeah. And here's a shoot you an email or a text of like, yo, here's the topic we're going to record this Saturday. We usually do it for about a week or so, you know, our own research and whatnot, and then hop on. We use Discord, and so okay, yeah. So we come on to Discord, and I don't have a cool suite set up like you. I'm still rookie at this, and so what I'll do is we'll record on on Discord, and then in the background, I'm also recording on Audacity, and then so yeah. I'll merge them up i can edit the hell out of them but it's pain in the ass but yeah the editing is is such a pain in the ass because it's long and 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 it's meticulous and it's really you know but it is what it is yeah well sometimes i'm I'm working on like the dead space and then i'm like oh no wait the dead space sounded good there (laughs) to put that back in it's it's just so tedious sometimes but you know tedious is the word yeah i I know people you listen i enjoy it when it's done i'm like oh man i did a good job on that but when I'm doing it, I'm miserable about it. <laughs> well, see, I, I also do a little bit of uh, ghost hunting on the side to segue into there. So I ghost hunted up in Vermont um, last week. I was on a family vacation up there. And now, uh, you know, camera, I camera with an IR and a digital recorder and all that stuff. And now going through that footage is like the same tediousness of the editing of the podcast. Now rewatching everything, which is pretty cool and all. But it's like there was just a lot of boring shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> staring at the screen I'm like all right it's, it's it, we did get some pretty crazy stuff though man. did yeah. you see i always want to do that but i always know i'm the type of person who's going to have a ghost follow me the fuck home well so that was so you here's know. my first ghost hunting kit probably about eight years ago mm-hmm. and my wife was like here you know and then i didn't use it for a little while so then she was like dude why don't you use your ghost hunting stuff and i was like all right i'll go use it and then so i finally started ghost hunting she was like don't you dare bring it to the <laughs> You you bought me the stuff and, and I'm the, you know, like now you don't you know, but we went up to um Vermont and uh, Lake Bomacine we were at really really beautiful area, and so uh, the lake is supposedly haunted and on on um, full moon nights there's supposed to be like a ghost boat so we took a boat out onto the lake that night and didn't see anything with the ghost boat and uh, at the northern edge of the lake there's an old cemetery that we went to 1800s. And so myself, my cousin, my other cousin's wife, and my 
niece and my nephew, my other cousin's daughter. So that's six of us all together. We get up there at like midnight and we start going around and um, I got like my K2 meter and my, my IR camera and all that type of stuff. And my K2 meter, you know, I've never seen it gone off before other than when you turn the microwave on and you test the seat. What is that? That's measuring the um, waves. So the waves, yeah, okay. Electromagnetic frequency. Yeah, that's and, it. And so, you know, just to test, you know, you turn the microwave on, you hold it up to it, it goes wild, and you're like, all right, well, we're, I mean, it's it's an actual device for, like, electricians. You know? Right, so right. People really use it for things. And so we were there, and uh, I look over at my cousin's wife, and she's with my cousin at this gravestone all the way at the end. And I look over, and I'm like, oh, shit, the K2 meters go off. So we get over there, and it's going wild. And um, it's got a green on the left-hand side and a red on the right-hand side that lights up from green to red. And so you can ask it, like, yes or no questions. And it's like, all right, look, you know. And so my nephew was like, did you die before the age of 50? You know, get red for yes, green for no. Boom, goes up to red. Um, and we were like, can you make it go back down to green? Boom, goes back to green. And it was just, like, responding yeah. to what which was insane. And the cool part is I got it on tape. You know? Yeah, so, that's really cool. Pretty nice. So that was the first time. I've been on a couple different ghost hunts. It's the first time we've actually experienced anything. I got another one planned uh, with my neighbor's son. We're going to go as a battlefield down the road from my house, Civil War battlefield. It's got a Confederate monument with a, a mass grave of Confederate soldiers. So I would imagine some. Of yeah, those you're going to get some stuff. I would. I would hope so. I'm going to. I'm going to go and piss them off and you know, talk shit to them. So. There, there's a place by us called the Old Seventy Six House. Okay. It's pretty cool. Speaking of history, I mean, uh, Washington stayed there, and it, Jersey's huge with the Revolutionary War. Right. Sure. But there was supposedly, Jesus, it has to do with Benedict Arnold, I think. Mm. I can't remember the guy's name. Anyway, there was a guy who they held prisoner there from the revolution, a general, and they were going to trade him for Benedict Arnold, (laughs) like with the British. (laughs) It, It ended up like not working out, and they ended up hanging the dude like in the back, basically where the restaurant is. But the restaurant is still basically whatever it was back when it was the 1600s. But my son, what did he have there? He had his christening, I think. He wanted to have it at the restaurant because he was into all that ghost hunter stuff too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, he loved it. Like the guy told us the whole story about the dude. I'm trying to find his name now. But he would say that there's a lot of weird things that happen there. You know, like they'll find pennies like flying off the floor. There's uh, footsteps upstairs and then... They have these tours that you can go to with her at like three in the morning. My wife and I did that in Gettysburg. That was pretty neat. It was a, an old field hospital. So it was like a, a they called it like a mansion, uh, but it was an old house that was used during the Civil War during the Battle of Gettysburg as a field hospital. We went there and we didn't see. Any, I didn't find anything. We, but it was yeah, it was one of those ghost tours where you, they kind of they give you all the equipment, which was pretty crazy, you know. And they were just like, all right, go, and you just get to walk the property at like three a.m. and it was it was pretty awesome. And I remember getting there. We were driving past all the battlefields of Gettysburg, and they had that kind of like ominous mist that was just hanging right above the yeah. grass. You know what I mean, it was it was pretty cool. You know, I've seen I, I've had experiences with the paranormal before, and so that is what you know. I've been in go, into ghost hunting for for years. I, I just like like I said, I like weird shit. Um, but I've had experiences with with spirits and whatever you want to call them, energies. You know, in the past, so I've seen it. So to me, it's like all right. You know, I get it with a lot of people in paranormal or whatever it is. For them, they're like, you know, I got to see it to believe it. And I get that. You know, it's, it's understandable. 
Um, and I, I have seen it. So it's kind of just like, all right, I just want to see more. <laughs> you know? yeah, like, yeah. like this, this shit is crazy. <laughs> like, you know, like I, I just want to go and try to experience it and capture it as much as I possibly can, you know? Yep. All right. So I'm going to give you a little history lesson about the old 76 house in old Japan. So this was used during the American Revolutionary War as a meeting place for local patriots uh, for a few days in 1780. It served as the prison of the revolution's most notorious spy, Major John Andre. Oh, it was John Andre. They were going to trade spies. That's what happened. John Andre? This is crazy, too. When the Continental Army encamped in Japan, the house was headquarters for General Nathaniel Green. No. pretty big stuff, too. Yeah, they said Washington only stayed there for a few days. He didn't attend Andre's trial that they had there. He was notorious, though, for sure. He was one of the major guys that broke up the Culver Spire. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Andre was a dick. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. So he yeah, he, like, changed sides in the middle, right, or something? I, I think something like that. He was just notorious. I don't know if he did. I know when he came, he was just notorious for treating Americans awfully yeah. while he was there. You know what I mean? He was just, I guess, he was just a dick. Yeah, that's, wow. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I got to go back there. Now I want to go do the, uh, the the ghost tour with that. I've never done one of them. Me and my son have talked about it. Actually, it's funny. One of the first shows, I invited a, a psychic lady who supposedly mm. talked to spirits, but she helped police like solve murders or missing yeah. people cases. And I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. I want to talk to that's- her. Pick her brain on that one. Yeah, just, but then she came back and she was like, "How many people listen to your show?" And I was like, "You should know. You're a psychic. <laughs> psychic. Tell me." We just did a psychic reading when we were in Vermont. Man, they, the guy was like, oh, "Just save your time. Just save your time." What was your mom's name? What did you do? What was your dad's name? And I'm like, "What the fuck am I paying you for?" <laughs> this is what your job is. So, yeah, I, I hear you, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> how many people? Oh, you tell me. Yeah. You ever been to Gettysburg? No, I want to go so bad. So you need to go there, especially as a history buff. It mm-hmm. Just by itself, amazing town. They still got the cobblestone streets. Um, you can look up at the buildings, like within the middle, like the Gettysburg, Gettysburg. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> on the side of buildings, there's still bullet holes that they never fixed. You know, like that's cool. Just, it's crazy, man. And my wife and I, we used to do a bed and breakfast every year. So she got to choose one, then I got to choose one, you know, every other year type of thing. So we went to Gettysburg one year. There's a bed and breakfast there. I don't remember the name of it. You can find it. <clears throat> but in the mantle of the room that we stayed in was still, there was a mini ball still in there from the Battle of Gettysburg. That's so crazy. It was still in the mantle in the room that we were staying in. I came in through the window, hit the mantle, and it's, it's been there, right, since like, July 3rd, 1863. You know, like it That's was wild. It, um, and they've got a lot of really cool, like, you know, you can go in there, you can buy a, a, a bullet that was fired in the Battle of Gettysburg for like 75 cents. Now with inflation, it might be a dollar. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's cool, man. There's Thanks a lot, a lot of- Biden. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I had to throw that in there. <laughs> I always try to explain to people about inflation. Oh, right. inflation is another one. I mean, that's a whole other show oh, I could talk about. Yeah. That's an hours long. Discussion. Yeah, that's yeah. There's a lot that goes into into that but, one, but you know, if you, if you can make it to Gettysburg, man, please do. Yeah, it's, it's for somebody especially who's a history buff, super worth it. Awesome, awesome, awesome place to go. Yeah. And like right in the middle of the town square, they have um, oh, what was the name of them? Uh, the Secret Society. The, the, the oh, Freemasons. the Freemasons. Yeah, 
Freemason like temple, like right in the middle of the town. It's really weird. Like you all get very ominous. Yeah. <laughs> it's cool though. Definitely yeah. uh, worth checking out. And they got a lot of ghost hunts um, that you could do all day. Like I said, they'll just they'll throw you all the equipment, like the FLIR thing for the uh, the temperature and all that stuff. And um, you know, it's cool. It's, it's, it's definitely worth. Yeah, I went to a, a ghost museum down in um, where uh, Springsteen's from. I don't know why I'm drawing a blank on everything. It's not Asbury, right? It is Asbury, right down by there. Yeah, yeah. There's there's a museum that collects all these artifacts, and it was it was pretty cool. My son wanted to do that. We picked things to do for the summer. Like each kid got to to pick one. Of course, he picked that. And, that's cool. That's, yeah. And if they got haunted items there, like that's that's no joke. Like, I will be honest with you. Like I wouldn't kind of like okay, say yeah. anything's haunted, but like. I remember I walked, there was some kind of witch voodoo thing. I don't remember what it was, but I remember walking next to it and I started to feel lightheaded mm. and like a little bit of a headache. And the lady's like, so supposedly like something was, there was a spirit trapped in there. And this, I forget the story. It was like a gang used to use it uh, for a cult and they, they would use whatever's trapped in there but they're like sometimes people will feel lightheaded or nauseous or have a headache and i was like holy shit <laughs> yeah because i remember walking by and standing by and being like i don't feel that good something's yeah, right. up and then yeah. she said exactly that was so weird yeah haunted items and things of that nature are and my i my beliefs are are legit yeah um, you know, it's not things to mess around with, you know, like, it's, you know, that's why, like, anything that has, like, haunted museum or weird, ugly dolls and shit, like, that stuff's nuts. Like, that, that's, that's. Yeah, they had, like, one painting there, and it's a painting of a woman, and supposedly she was a possessed, she was possessed by a demon. He painted mm-hmm. this woman. And on the surface, there's really nothing wrong with the picture, but the feeling you get from is, like, the most evil feeling <laughs> you'll ever get in your life. It's energy, man. Everything's about energy, yeah. right? And and you know, look, I'm not a physics teacher at all, but from what I'm, I, I understand, is energy cannot be destroyed, right? Right. Like it just goes somewhere else, takes another form, or whatever it is. And so, what would be different about that, right? So, I mean, if something goes to whatever is after this life, if there is something, I believe that there is. Yeah. You you know, like there's there's at that energy, it's got to be somewhere doing something. Who's to say it it can't? You know, I mean, that's when it comes to the paranormal world. I look at it very much like the history world. Yeah, um, look, man, we don't know. Could be first one time a history teacher. We don't know shit about history. It's we true. We really don't. We think we do, but we don't. And and I mean, we know about major events, but there are still things about major events that we don't know about, right? And that we're still discovering today. Think about our ancestors. How many of us know? exactly what took place in the people whose lives that were part of our family 200 years ago or 100 yeah. years ago. We don't. We don't. Family, right? So who's to say that we know everything about an entire the history of an entire country? There's shit we don't know. It's very arrogant for us to say that we do know, and this is exactly what happened. I don't know about that. Yeah. You know, we're still learning stuff every day. And for the paranormal side, it's very similar. You know, that's the way I look at it is, look, it's very arrogant for me to say it is or it isn't, right? It's just that I believe that I've had experiences before, and I'm curious to see if I can, you know, recreate something very similar to that and, and explore that as well. Yeah. It's like exploring history and to see, hey, are there anything, anything new I come across or, or, or a new way of looking at things? Yeah, know? I totally agree with you. It, you know, that's, um, I say that too, even with, with religion, it's, it's like I can't 
by a specific religion because it's the certitude that comes with that is is arrogant to me. Um, yeah. If you look at the practice of medicine, what we're going to know in 15 years compared to what we know now, we're going to be like, God, remember how they used to treat you know this or that? Exact same way that we look at medicine during the Civil War. Right. right. They didn't use exactly. gloves or antiseptic or anything like that off a guy's leg because he got shot in it right and he had syphilis and then you just kind of take the bone saw and you just wipe it on your shirt a little yeah bit, right? and yeah. you start you know sawing into private steve behind him well guess what now you got syphilis in it. <laughs> you know, like yeah it's you know and so yeah when you again you, you know, for me i just i feel like arrogant is the word to be like you know at, at this junction in time we know everything there is to know now yeah you know we know more about the surface of mars than we do about the surface of the ocean right or the, the floor true. of the but humans are pretty good at being arrogant. We're very good at that. Yeah. Curse of <laughs> consciousness, I guess. I don't know. Well, thank you for doing this. I, I hope you come back again. I am looking to kind of like rotate some people in because I like building a rapport. And a lot of times you do these things and by the end you have a really good rapport with someone and then you never talk to them again. You're starting over <laughs> somebody else. So, Absolutely. Yeah. So come back. And we'll to join you again, buddy, anytime. All right. Yeah. I appreciate it. And you can plug the podcast. Find us on every major podcast uh, platform. It is the story of uh, dot, dot, dot. You can find us on uh, Twitter at, uh, uh, at podcast story of as well. Yeah. Check us out. If you like, if you don't, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, definitely check it out. All right, Danny. Danny, thanks for doing this. All right, brother. All right. Anytime, Take it easy. Thanks to everyone who took some time out of their day today to listen. The With Jayberg Show is available wherever you find your favorite podcasts or go directly to jaybergshow.podbean.com and subscribe to get the latest episodes. I know it may not always be a straight line, but I hope we'll see you again to take the journey and escape a while for thoughtful excursions into the world of ideas across politics, technology, pop culture, and all realms of civic life. See you soon. support.